All right. I hope that you guys all read the entire book of Ecclesiastes this week, just in preparation for today's concluding sermon. And um, as this is a concluding sermon, uh, I, I again, I will say this. I've said this a hundred times. I'll probably... Uh, Never stop doing this, but uh, Jim knows. Jim and I are doing a Bible study through Exodus right now. And what did we do, Jim? We started it off with forming a prayer that we can pray beforehand. Because it helps kind of center our lives. And I'm, I'm glad that we did this in other books. And we're going to do this in, in times to come as well. But today, I am going to pray this prayer over us. This is a prayer that I have been praying for our church for about nine months now. And uh, in one sense, I'm never going to continue or never going to stop, never going to continue praying this. That's the wrong word. So I'm going to continue to pray this over us. Maybe not in these words, but definitely the heart of this prayer. So let me pray this over you uh, uh, as we conclude our time in Ecclesiastes. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Lord, let our lives be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. In Jesus' name, amen. So many of you guys know, I don't know if all of you know, but many of you know, I spent a season of life living in Hawaii. And it was a wonderful time to a certain extent, but I was 22, and it was kind of an interesting, like, uh, thought. I was 22. I had been an asphalt paver and I figured I could either go to college or I could move to Hawaii. This, this is what I figured my options would be. And to this day, I believe I made the right choice um, because I had been an asphalt paver for over a year at that, that point and then a landscaper prior to that. And I was a missionary for prior to that. I actually was a painter. I had a ton of jobs before that. But as I got on the plane, I looked at my hands and I had counted and I had 22 calluses on my hands. And I was like, Lord, what am I doing with my life? And it's like, I don't mind the calluses. I still have a few, but like, uh, I didn't mind the calluses, but it was like, I knew that that's not what I was supposed to do with my life. And I needed to figure that out. So college or Hawaii, Hawaii being the better option in my mind. And I moved to Hawaii because I wanted to seek counsel from God. I wanted to go out and I believed that God would set me on the right track and give me direction. In fact, the first, uh, uh, I didn't write this part down, so this might get a little scary, but like the first, the first week I was there, I went into this, um, I went into this beach and I hiked in there with my buddy. It was, you had to hike into it and it was this beautiful, beautiful beach. And um, I was planning on staying there for a week. I bought enough drinking water. I brought some food. I was going to fast a little bit. And the first night I was out and I was watching the moon. It was about a half moon at that point. And I, I was sitting out on this, this sand dune looking out just going, okay, God, this is me and you time. And this guy comes out of nowhere. Okay, I, was by, I thought I was by myself, and I don't know if you've ever slept in the wilderness by yourself, but it's a little bit scary sometimes. But this guy came out, and he goes, shoots, brah, you're on my grandfather's beach, you need to get off of here. And he goes, and I know where your camp is, and you can't stay there tonight. So, and it was like five miles from town. So I was like, well, what do I do? He's like, I don't care, brah, but you got to get out of here. 
And I'm like, I'm not really a tough guy. So I was like, okay, pack it up. Like I just left. I, what was I going to do except move for this guy? But that, that was the first night, the first week I was there, I was going out to see God. And then this happens, like this guy moves me off this beach. And it was just a, it was a cool point, a cool spot. And I was going to deal with God, but that was the way that was God's way of dealing with me at that time. And amidst all the sun and the sea and the beauty, there was a real like underlying sadness that was there, uh, pretty much the entire time I was in Hawaii. It was one of the most depressing periods of my life. And I had, uh, as I went to seek God and seek direction for life, I found emptiness. I, and it was weird because the sunsets were unbelievable and I watched as many of them as I could. I would swim and snorkel almost every day, saw a really a lot of cool things under the water, but I was just hollow inside. I was empty and I, I couldn't figure it out. And as I had come to spend time with God in paradise, as I kind of thought of it, and I thought through my life, I was just feeling sad and empty, just feeling totally hollow. And that is until I reread a letter that a friend had sent me, and he knew my purposes for going to Hawaii and to, for heading there. And in his friendship, he encouraged me the best way that he knew how in writing a, a letter. And at the end of this letter, he suggested that I read Ecclesiastes. And he was massively into philosophy at the time, and he thought that Ecclesiastes was the greatest philosophy book that was ever written. And, um, and so after being in Hawaii for about eight months, I'd taken up his suggestion, and I opened and read. And I read, and I read, and I figured it would be over my head because my friend was a pretty smart guy. And, um, and then I read it. And I spent the next week reading it and rereading it over and over and over, meditating on the words as I would be snorkeling. Then I would be thinking about the words of Ecclesiastes, different parts and different places. And I was just, I guess I was finally in that place where I could hear what the Holy Spirit had for me in Hawaii. Where, why I was brought to that place, not only, spirit, not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally, where for the first time in my life, I could see the meaningless of it all. I could see that life was but a vapor. And even though I was depressed, I just, I just about spent every night watching the sunset in Hawaii. And I would look for, every, week, every day I would look for what this thing called the green flash. Have you guys heard of this, seen it? Anybody? Yeah, it's incredible. And it was like, it was the moment that right as the sun disappears into the water, a green flash would be sent out and it would shoot across the horizon and it would be, it would like shoot across and then kind of come back really like in a split second. It was like a vapor. It was like a vapor. It was just boom. You couldn't see it all the time. And I knew that vapor and meaningless I knew what that looked like because I had seen the green flash a number of times, not only um, from the green flash, but in my life as well. I knew that what I was doing there was meaningless and it served as, and the green flash only helped serve as a reminder in all my searchings in Hawaii. And I did not uh, try all of life like the preacher did. Although I did watch Shawshank Redemption over a hundred times, that was worth it. And strangely enough, I watched um, Keanu Reeves' The Replacements, you know, his football movie, if you've ever seen that. I watched that over a hundred times as well. 
I haven't seen it much since, uh, but, um, and I, so that was me living life right there, right? Those two movies on repeat almost the entire year that I was there. And I lived, um, e- even though, uh, that's, that's not true. I had lived for myself during that time. I lived for myself. I was, I was so mad that I got kicked off that beach and I was so mad that I came to spend time with God and God wasn't finding a way to meet with me. That's how I felt at the time. And so I had was, I was like, fine, I'm just going to kind of live for myself. And by the way, I'm not very good at that either. So like amongst the things that I'm not very good at, uh, living totally for myself wasn't uh, very, wasn't very good at it. I wasn't very uh, exciting or thrilling person. I watched sunsets and snorkeled, but I was by myself almost the entire time. So after my reading and rereading and meditation on Ecclesiastes in my quest for direction from God, at the end of this personal search, I heard this. Fear God and keep his commandments for it is the whole duty of man. And I simply went, okay, all right, Lord, if that's what you have for me, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to attempt to fear you and keep your commandments with my life. Since all of this life is vapor and meaningless, I might as well serve God and keep his commandments. That was kind of the end of it. And then about three weeks later, I moved away from Hawaii. And I've only been back once since. And it's obvious for those who know me that I've not kept, uh, like, I've not feared God and kept his commandments perfectly, but I have sought Jesus with my life. I've attempted to follow his voice and his leading in my life. And it's not meant that all has gone well or all of life has been enjoyable. But I still have felt, uh, I've still felt the meaningless of nice day or the meaningless of life. But as days dick by, especially days when I feel no sense of accomplishment, I'm glad that this life is like a vapor. It actually brings me joy to know that. And I still struggle with depression at times. But I, I don't think um, that time in Hawaii, I wouldn't have really categorized it as depression until recently. But I knew that there was a sadness that was there that was a g- very genuine sadness in, in life. And um, I don't think uh, we can, I, I, for me, I can't control it, but I do the best to follow Jesus even amidst the fog of sadness. And last night I was listening to the audio of Ecclesiastes, just going over it again. As, uh, as we get ready for today. And there was a line that really hit me uh, last night. And I had to look it up this morning because I just listened to it. But it was this. It was Ecclesiastes 6, chapter one, or verse 1 and 2. It says, There is an evil that I've seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind, which is a big theme in Ecclesiastes. A man whom God gives wealth, possession, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. I'm like, okay, I would take that, you know, but then this verse yet God or this section, yet God does not give them the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity and a grievous evil. And this is what hit me from this slow last nine months round in Ecclesiastes, other than the understanding the meaningless of life at a deeper level The theme of enjoyment has stuck out to me massively in my life. I want to give God all the power. I want God to give us all the power and the ability to enjoy life. Amen? 
like not have this evil where you don't get to enjoy them, but but he gives us the ability to enjoy life. That it's gonna look an enjoyment would look different for each one of us, but enjoyment and joy in our lives at a deep rooted level has been my main prayer for us, for me, for my family, for us as a church. And I pray about and as I pray about enjoyment. There's a word that keeps coming to my mind when I pray this, or maybe like a feeling, and that feeling is freedom. Like the freedom that only Christ can bring. So when I think about enjoyment, I think about people who live life with freedom, where they're just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm not stoked on everything I did in the past, but I'm just going to live. Like, I'm just going to do my best to live for right now. And enjoyment can come in freedom, in the loosening up of our uh, of our grip on life and living into what Jesus has for us, that can be a beautiful li- thing. Or living into who Jesus says we are, that would be amazing and so enjoyable. And to live into the power and the grace that he gives us. And I totally believe that Jesus knew Ecclesiastes, the fullness of it, right? He knew everything that was said in it, but he didn't think it was meaningless to come to earth and to live among us. He didn't think it was meaningless to go to the cross for us. He didn't think it was meaningless to give us a new life in his kingdom that was meant to be lived in fullness in his life for us. And we get to live our life in and through him. I don't think the words that Jesus spoke over us in the scriptures, the words that the apostle Peter and John and Paul remind us of over and over again, in the New Testament are meaningless or pointless either. I believe them to have life-giving freedom and, and freedom to, for us to enjoy the life that Jesus has for us. Ecclesiastes speaks of life, but Jesus lived a life. Jesus lived a life, and that lived life taught us about life as well as the combination of Ecclesiastes. And Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life. And we find our life in him. Jesus said he is also the bread of life, the light of life, right? He offers living or life water. And we already know that our life is found in Christ, that for us as those who are striving to follow Jesus, that it is no longer our own life where we find our meaning, but we find our meaning in Christ and we find our worth in him. Galatians 2.20 reminds us, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul also tells us that he counts his life as no account at all, or it's, it's worth, it is worthless unless that worth is found in Jesus' life. So it is true. Our life is meaningless. Our life is not our own. But this is not a cruel thing. This means that the meaningless, the vapor, the vapor of existence that we have found in, through all that, we have found something worth giving it all up for. Not even living our own life. We've traded in the meaninglessness of, of, uh, of life for the meaning that we find in Christ. And as we find our life in Christ, it's not a vapor, poof, then gone. It is eternal. And even if we can't see the meaning now, it will mean something forever one day to all of us. And this is true. And all of us 
And all the saints that have go before us, Hebrews 11 tells us this about the saints that have come before us. And then in chapter 12, it, it starts with this. So Hebrew 11, right? It says, list all these people who have come before us. And then Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 starts this way. Therefore, since you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, sin which clings so closely to us and let us run with endurance. This is our life, right? The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This great cloud of witnesses followed God as well. Followed him with their life, followed him in faith that, that they will do this. And it was a very Ecclesiastes life. And I think of life and Ecclesiastes as life as a fullness. Good happened to some, evil happened to others. Some had victories, some had uh, all had faith. Some uh, didn't have victory, they had absolute defeat. And yet they all had faith and they all found their meaning in what they were doing and what God had for them. And God gave them the life that they can serve as witnesses. And we get to live our life for Jesus in the here and now. And we get to be a witness as well of things to come. When we talk about what life in Jesus means, we can think about the things that the Holy Spirit speaks to our souls. Reminding us of the goodness and meaning that we find in Jesus each and every day. It could be as simple as the word love spoken over you. Knowing that you are loved by God. Could be something that we can meditate on forever. It could be the idea of grace. Not the idea of grace, but the reality of grace given to you and to me. It could be something very meaningful like freedom from shame or guilt. Living into that, knowing that somebody saw everything I did and they said, you're free, you're forgiven. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It could be for some of us that you are adopted by God and now called sons or daughters of His. Freedom comes in the words pure that he speaks over us. Freedom comes in the word spotless when we don't feel like that all the time. Freedom comes when we realize that we are holy because of what Jesus has done for us. Freedom can also come in the shape that we are wanted. We're not disregarded. That God loves us so much that he sought us, that he sent his son for us that he's seeking us out each and every day. We could be find freedom in the word seen. You are seen. This was Angie, what you had said meant so much to you in Hagar, that she was seen. That she was seen by God. And, and, and then when God saw Hagar, there was meaning and value and worth placed into her life that maybe those around her didn't have. Just knowing that we are cared about in a great way. Not, and it's not like God only cares for our souls. He cares for us materially as well. Our life is hidden in Christ. And Jesus finds great worth and value in us following Him. Amen? Every step of the way. He loves having you with Him because He delights in you. 
because he delights in you. And yes, by the way, even though I, I say that, I believe that so strongly that scripture points to us, he knows everything about you. He knows your struggles. He knows your sins, not just the ones that you used to commit, but the ones you're currently trying to live your life out of. And still the word that Jesus has about you is that he delights in you, that he wants you, that he loves you. He isn't disappointed or begrudging the fact that you're living your life with him. He's not like, oh man, so-and-so is here again. He's not like that. He's in love with you. Jesus is the greatest love that ever was and ever will be. And love is not meaningless, especially love from Christ. So I'm hoping that with this, uh, you don't have to move to Hawaii to figure some of this stuff out, right? That's what I got to do. So, um, and, and, you know, it's funny because I don't look, I look back at my time in Texas with way more fondness than I do my time in Hawaii. And moving to Hawaii might help, who knows. But, but I, this is my prayer for us. Let us live life in the enjoyment of who we are in Christ. It's not always going to be easy, but let his life and his light lead us and light up our way and then follow him. I want us to live into the enjoyment that Jesus has for us. And may his Holy Spirit give us the power to do this. So Jesus, we please do this for us. Please give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with our whole hearts, with every step that we have, Lord, as we are attempting to fear you and keep your commandments. We don't do this perfectly, but we want to follow you. Father, I pray that our life may be found in Christ. Not only the steps and our actions, but the words that we speak to ourselves about the truth that you speak over us. May your Holy Spirit bring these up as we walk into your great mystery of this thing called life. In Jesus' name, amen.